Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to This Is Your Normal. I am your host, Bob Holmes. Today's guest is medium Serena LaPointe. As a medium, clairvoyant, and empath, she has been reconnecting people to their departed loved ones and offering spiritual guidance since 2013. As you will soon find out, Serena has a great enthusiasm for life and the afterlife. Please enjoy this episode of This Is Your Normal. Serena, thank you for joining. This is your normal today. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. I reached out to you uh, because I had a curiosity. And my curiosity really stemmed a whole tree of possibilities. But basically, I did my episode, Death is Normal. And it's a huge hit. Honestly, at this point in time, it's my most downloaded episode. So there must be some sort of something going on that people are interested in that. Uh, Where I'm going with this is I did the death and I'm thinking like, well, what's next? You know, I always have that normal frame of of mind where I'm I'm scanning for things that are normal and paranormal kind of came into my head and I'm thinking like, well, what's kind of paranormal? And then I knew I had heard of you previously through Amber and I was like, What's this? Who's this medium? Serena LaPointe. Hmm. What is it? What is a medium? And I soon realized I have no clue. So this is me exploring a little bit of a curiosity. Previously, I mentioned to you the reason I know nothing about what you do or what it is that you do is honestly fear-based. Um, it kind of is something that Uh, Maybe my parents told me, like, don't mess with that kind of stuff. Or um, what I like to call is uh, societal projected fear, uh, where people, you know, oh, that's, oh, that's kind of weird. That's different. Like, just, ooh, why you got to mess with that, you know? So that's kind of what I fell for. And the reason why I don't really know too much about what's going on. So can I ask what your background is? Do you come from like a religious background? A little bit. My parents were both raised um, Catholic. Not, I, I, I know there's like a terminology for it where you're not like, you just basically go to church because that's what you're told to do. And then I went, I went to Catholic schools too. I went to a Catholic grade school, went to a Catholic high school. And oh. it's a lot of like, do what you're told to do and don't ask questions. It, and that's, that's my experience. That's not how, like, I don't want everybody who's ever been, I don't want the Catholic church coming at me. But I'm just saying that's my experience is do what you're told and don't ask questions. Well, the reason why I was asking, because the majority of um, fear when it comes to uh, the concept of life after death or um, talking to spirits usually does stem from some sort of religious background, more specifically the Catholic background, the Catholic religion. And that has a lot to do with the way that they view uh, death and spirits and stuff like that. The majority of religions will show this kind of dogmatic side that it's very, very cut and dry. You do this, you get into heaven. You do this, you go to hell. So part of that is that make you have a fear about death. It's the only way that religion will work is if you actually have a fear about what happens after you die or there's no basis for the religion whatsoever. So they have to instill fear in you. If it was taught that we are all these spiritual beings and we can go on 
to live simultaneous lives or life after life after life after life. And all this is, is just a, a tool to learn, you know, and that's it. Then nobody would have that fear instilled in them that religion is trying to instill in us. Now, I don't think religion is bad at all. I think that there can be a basis of good in it because overall, it does try to teach you like moral compasses. Yeah. Now, now, granted, it's going to be based off of one secular idea. I get that. But moral compasses are not bad to have and be instilled in people. I completely get it when people are like, oh, <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> I just uh, somebody posted something on Facebook just last night and they had said, everybody in my friend group, what do you do for a living? And I used to be like really terrified to tell people what I do. Like even like people that I went to high school with and stuff like that, they're like, they reach out. I haven't talked to them in years. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I would freeze. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to think that I'm a crazy woman. So I came up with, <laughs> with um, a better way of saying that I talked to dead people. And I said, <laughs> oh, I'm a counselor for the living impaired, or I'm a liaison for the living impaired, which is not lying. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so when I felt like, oh my God, if I tell this person what I'm doing, I'm going to be judged. I, um, this is the phrase I would use because the majority of people that ask you what you do don't really care what you do. Mm -hmm. They just need some sort of, um, like conversation to fill this void because they're uncomfortable. <laughs> so if you say something like this, they don't think past it. But if you're like, oh, I talked to dead people, they're like, wait a minute, what? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, this might be a good time. Let's kind of like get some definitions out. So like everybody, especially me, this is like uh, medium 101. Let's find out what you do and dive deeper more into like how you explain it you're a medium yes. um and then you also consider yourself clairvoyant and empath so medium clairvoyant and empath so let's so, yeah go ahead look at the term medium um that is just simply being able to communicate with spirits mm -hmm. so when i look at the terms being empathic or clairvoyant it is how I am communicating and what type of information I'm able to receive from them. So that's how you can kind of break it down. But in order for you to understand what a medium is, you do have to understand one that we are all spiritual beings just having a physical existence. That's it. We're not a physical being having a spiritual existence. Like, we are literally driving these bodies around like freaking rental cars. And that's it. Like you can think of like an avatar, you know, down here or somebody up there playing a video game with us or, or something. And yeah. that's it. So when you think of it like that, you have to understand there's really not a differentiation between a living, like a spirit living in a physical body or a spirit that is no longer in their physical body. The only difference is gravity. And then the restraints of like the physical world and matter and holding our spirit in this, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a game or what, but it's just, you know, that body's just keeping the spirit here and that's it. So there's really no difference between that. 
And unless people understand that, it's no, it's literally like picking up a telephone and calling somebody. There's no difference. So people want to make this like it's like some super far-fetched uh, superhuman X-Man like trait or ability or something like that. But realistically, it's just kind of like picking up a telephone and calling someone. And this is because everything works on frequencies and radio waves. So all it is is being in tune with a different frequency. The one thing that I always tell people when they ask, well, you know, how do you sleep at night? Or how do you, when you go into someone's environment, how do you know if you're picking up on a spirit that's in the environment or one of their deferred loved ones? It has to do with the frequency. So all spirits and physical people, we have, it's, we're nothing more than a frequency. And what makes up the essence of the person that you know is all the different experiences, all the different thoughts, all the different interactions, because each one of those has its own individual frequency that makes up the entire, you know, whole being frequency. So what I tell people is to think about these abilities very much like a radio or a television. Your television, if it's plugged into the wall, Regardless, if you turn it on, it is still, it's still in use. There is still power going to it. It still has those channels running in the background. It's just ready for you to access it whenever you want. And this is the same as the radio. Radio, if it's turned off, those channels are still going on. Those radio waves are still going on. So a TV or a radio, you turn on when you are ready to use it and you choose what channel you want to watch or listen to. And it's for all different reasons. You might decide to watch the news or you might, you know, just want to laugh and forget about things for a moment. That is your choice. Those other channels are still going on when you are choosing to only focus on one channel at a time. So what happens is when you can get really in tuned with different frequencies, you can make a choice of what channel you want to watch or what dial you want to turn up at whatever time. It doesn't mean that those other channels are turned off. They're just turned down or you're not paying attention to them until you're ready. And this is what we do every day in our physical lives. So when we are in our physical being, we are not paying attention to our spiritual side. We're going to work and we're dealing with the kids and we are hyper-focused on whatever our sensory overload is at the time in the physical world. It doesn't mean these other things are not going on. So someone like me, I can just kind of flip a switch and start focusing on a different side of somebody. Now, the way that I do that is I have, um, when we look at being empathic, this is a, an ability that pretty much everybody has empathy. Doesn't mean everybody uses it, or let's say everybody has the capability of having empathy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if everybody has empathy. Well, <laughs> everybody has the capabilities of having empathy. And gotcha. There are some people that um, have so much empathy that it 
it's very hard to control. We are like these emotional sponges that when we get next to somebody physical or even think about someone, we can start feeling what they are feeling, either their emotions, their physical pain, their thoughts, anything. Uh, we can also, uh, we could feel this with animals or in different locations, trauma that has happened. Now, when you look at somebody that is empathic, it just simply means that we are feeling our information. Now, the funny thing about this is, is that you don't normally label yourself empathic until it's gotten to this extreme uh, situation where you're like, um, I can't really control it's like, like if I'm TV, all of a sudden I'm just bawling my eyes out over a stupid commercial. Or I am finding myself riding other people's emotional waves. But really, empathic people, if they get it under control, they are learning how to communicate with the way that our physical bodies were built to communicate. So we were not built to communicate through verbal communication. So the world teaches you to pay attention to verbal communication, but that is only 3% of communication. Communication is actually literally sparked by our emotions. And this is why people can read body language because it comes out in our bodies. So the rest of communication, 97% of communication is body language through emotion. So when people learn how to listen to the frequencies and the vibrations or the emotions, I don't care how you say it, or the music of somebody's life, they, they can pick up on things that people have kind of tuned out through the verbal communication. So you can walk up to someone and say, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm great. And you're like, oh, no, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> your smile. I hear what you're saying, but I also hear the fakeness or the small influxes in your voice that states that you really are not okay. So that's how it will compute to somebody that is empathic. Now, if you know what's going on, if you're empathic, you can literally hyper-focus on any aspect of somebody's life. Every single thought that they have interaction past present or future because time does not exist it's just literally a kind of vortex spins around so everything's happening all at once it's going in now so we can hyper focus on any aspect of somebody's life and it will have its own energetic fingerprints that is different than every other aspect of their life okay yep so your overall norm in your life your frequency norm is your electromagnetic field around you. That is made up of all those tiny little fingerprints, okay? Your norm is gonna be different than everybody else's. So what I look at as my financial norm is gonna be completely different than yours, okay? So somebody that is empathic can literally focus on your finances, pick up its normal resonancy or frequency, okay? The frequencies vibrate, they bounce up and down. And this is going to tell them, okay, what you are used to, statistically speaking, overall in your life is a frequency at this point. Now, if it changes, that change is going to be very sensitive to an impact. Why? Because it's now outside of your norm. So if I'm focusing on your finances and it ticks up and it stays up, it's changed, that's going to be like a job increase. Like 
you know, like a pay raise or that's going to be um, a windfall that is going to change your overall financial norm. But if it's just kind of like you get this change uh, influx that comes up and then it comes back down and you drop back out at normal, that's you might win on the lottery, you know, like 50 bucks <laughs> or something extra. So you learn how to uh, fine tune all the information in the world. You can literally focus on any little thing on a minute level and compare it to whatever you need to, to understand it because everything's a compare and contrast. So no matter what in this field, like if I'm focused on your physical energy or your physical spirit as you're here, I have to first find your like what your normal is. Okay. And I find it interesting because of your podcast, you're always looking for like the normal, Yeah. but only normal out there is an individual sense of perception. And that's it. There is no actual normal. What we are taught in this world is to not accept our individual perceptions, but in return, rely on somebody else to tell us what our normal is. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole world is designed to for like mass confusion. It kind of sucks. So then they look at someone like me as I'm the outsider. Right, right, right. Like, oh, I'm just communicating like how we're built to communicate. <laughs> yeah. So my brain has learned how to slow down that information and access it when I need to. Before, when I didn't know what was going on, I was an emotional wreck. I was labeled to have bipolar and manic sessions and all this other stuff, uh, hypochondriac, uh, ADHD. You name it, I was labeled it because nobody took the time to figure out or even ask uh, how I was perceiving the world. They just gave me whatever label that fits them. Yeah. So the clear <laughs> side is being the, the gift of sight. So that's what clairvoyant okay. clairvoyant is gift of sight. Now, once again, there's, I always call it our perceivable future because it's not really future in the context. Like there's not a lineage or timeline. It, it just, time just does not work like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when I talk to people about their perceivable future, um, there can be some things like timelines can change and alter, there can be cause and effect and, and stuff like that. And we can perceive that in um, t- kind of like a timeline form, you know, but realistically, it doesn't really look like work like that. But when you explain it to people, you have to think about how we're taught things here in this world. Mm-hmm. And even when people believe in past lives, they think if they died in the 1800s, they're com- going to come back in 1820 and then 1850 and 1900s. It doesn't actually work like that. Okay. So, um, but for the sake of argument, um, whenever we talk about these gifts, it is, um, so clairvoyance is the gift of sight. This is letting people know that on top of feeling things, I will also see things in my head or they'll be projected out into my environment. So if I'm talking to a spirit, I will get it in through their per perspective. I will get it as their memories, as um, they saw the world, however they want to show me it. If I'm focused on your uh, spirit and your physical body, then I will be getting it through your mind and how you see it. 
So it's not really necessarily how I see it. It's actually, I get glimpses of how everybody else sees the world, if that makes sense. So yeah, come to the empathic side of spirits, I will take on their um, emotions and physical things that happen to them in life. So when they communicate with me, they do not stand in front of me and talk. I feel them. I feel everything first. So I feel them. And then I'll start getting glimpses in my head and I'll be like, okay, this is a guy, like there's a grandfather around, right? Okay. And I'm saying that because there's literally a grandfather around. <laughs> so that's why I'm using that as an example. But, um, so, you know, so I start getting glimpses and I'm like, okay, there's a grandfather around. And I Are don't- you, Wait, can I just ask you a real quick question? Like literally <laughs> in your room right now, there's a grandfather? <laughs> literally, yeah, literally. Okay. <laughs> so. Are you saying like, I, I was just like, are you uh, starting to like have the sense of a grandfather coming to you or like literally your grandfather is in the room? So it's not my grandfather whose grandfather is. Oh. It's not mine. So it might be yours. I don't know. So right. So what you're saying is you are, you have like a sense of a grandfather with you right now. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, so, so yeah, right. Your grandfather is not in the room. <laughs> Yes, mine is not, though. Okay. Probably somebody's dead grandfather. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, how I know that it's a grandfather is not because he said, hey, I'm a grandfather. I started right. seeing this. I'm like, okay, this is an older gentleman, right? And then I felt, I'm like, oh, he gives me a grandfather vibe. And all that tells me, all I know so far is, okay, he has grandkids. Now, technically, if... I was talking to somebody in their father past, okay, and they have kids, and that gentleman wanted to talk about his grandkids. I'm gonna pick up on the fact that he's a grandfather before I pick up on that it would be this person's father, because okay. he really is there trying to talk about the grandkids, you know. So yeah, they, yeah. they get that forward in different ways. Um, it really depends on what they. For me, it just depends on what they want to talk about or however their personality is and how clearly they want to explain things. But um, so what will happen is they'll step forward. I will feel something around. I'll get some flashes. Okay. And then when they fully, if I allow them to fully connect with me, which I usually like make sure that I'm ready, they will jump inside of me, which sounds weird. Wow. <laughs> but, um, I will absorb their energy. Mm -hmm. And I will start to take on the symptoms of how they pass because a lot of their last memories in the physical was how they passed. So once they use my physical vessel to communicate with somebody, that's, I will start picking up on their last memories. So if they had heart issues, all of a sudden my, my chest is going to start hurting. If they had a stroke, I might feel like my face like freeze up. If they had broken bones, if they were inebriated, I might start sounding like inebriated. Now, this does not always translate completely um, clearly in the way of if I was talking to you about my problems, okay? So when I feel this, one of three things will happen. I will either just feel pressure points in my body, and I know that these areas were affected with no explanation. So I'm just like, okay, my chest, <laughs> you know, or right, whatever. Right, yeah with absolutely no explanation. And, or I will take on the symptoms of exactly how they experience it. 
So all of a sudden I might get like rapid heartbeat and I might start feeling like I'm sweating profusely. Now, like the other day I was in a vehicle and um, the way that I got hit, it was spinning. So I was seeing the sky spin. I was like, this is weird. I was like, why am I seeing the sky spin? I didn't know. Nobody, not one of these spirits told me, oh, you're seeing the sky spin because I was in a car accident. Mm -hmm. That's not, I'm just, I'm them feeling kind of half blacked out. I can kind of hear stuff. I feel very discombobulated and I'm seeing glimpses of the sky spin. So other things that can happen is they can just make me feel something and then thoroughly explain it. So like last night, the lady I was talking to, she was like, I didn't feel all of her symptoms. She was like, oh, I had breathing problems in the end and I had um, a scent put in and I had heart palpitations. I had like a heart murmur and I was having blood flow issues. I didn't feel all that. She just explained it. So every single, it's not cut and dry. Every single spirit is different on how they show things, how they explain things, because everybody has a different personality and perspective on life. So it's really important for them to come through in the most authentic way possible. They don't put rules or restraints on how they work. So once they come through and I feel them, they'll just start kind of like talking through me. I'll either hear it in their head. I will either hear it in my head and their voice, repeat what they say, or they'll just literally, I have no connection to it. It's just like diary of the mouth. And then however you knew them, their personality, because that's what you remember. That's their essence. Mm -hmm. It's not like, I don't know, it's weird. It's however you felt about them. And when you think about somebody, you're thinking about all those different experiences that you had with them and their personality and stuff like that. That's really what you're connecting. So that is what is presented. So they will start talking to you just as you need them. So their mannerisms, their personality, all of that stuff comes out because that's still intact in their essence. But if you want to get really kind of quantum physics, there's not one of us, okay? There is our soul. A lot of people want to think of our soul as one unit. It's not, okay? So every time you interact with somebody, that person has a different perception of you than the other person, which just made a duplicate of you. Mm -hmm. So there's many versions of yourself always attached and kind of walking around with you within your energy. So when you die, your soul is not a single like ball. It's a trillions of tiny little balls inside of that ball. (laughs) If you Mm -hmm. want to like an example, you know? So this is because Everybody knows you as something different. Every interaction that you have had is completely different than the interaction you had with the next person. Even if you have multiple kids, they're going to have different versions of dad than the next one. So the essence of the person that you know will always stay with whoever's trying to communicate with them because it is completely tied to the memory and the essence of that person. So you can have somebody that, you know, was a complete womanizer. They could uh, have had these terrible relationships, right? But to their kids, they treated their kids like gold, right? I mean, like just spoiled them, gave them everything, never said a bad word to them, uh, just doted, doted on them like the perfect father. So if I was sitting in a room with one of the people they were in a relationship, 
say uh, one of the people's mo mothers that they you know, was divorced because this guy was a womanizer and one of the ch children, they're gonna come through completely different, completely different. So, because mom doesn't even have the remote same uh, viewpoint on dad or, you know, ex-dad or whatever, is that the child does. Mm -hmm. So that is something that people have to understand. So then once you pass, it's not just one of you. There's all these different versions of you that can go on for different existences or stick with the person that, that you knew or develop a completely new uh, perspective on, on life and presence. It gives you all these different possibilities for growth. So this concept of like being on this, this earth and having to do everything like A, B, C, D, or you're going to go to heaven or you're going to, or you're going to go to hell. And that's it. It's an end all. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really make sense because what part of you is the end all, which version of you just, it's just the bad version because there's all these other versions. Do all of your versions get sucked down into hell? Like, how does right. that work? Like, so it's not really explained very um proper i don't think my next question is you you explain things very well and uh i'm i'm loving the the examples and everything that you're using okay i gotta know when did you start realizing you had a a, a talent w what would you consider it a talent because you you mentioned like uh, uh, people on the outside consider it like maybe like a superpower or something like that I'm kind of mellowing um, it down to like a talent or. Um, I actually like the way that it, you present it as a talent because the way that I like to describe it to people is some people are born just naturally playing the guitar, right? right? Yeah. Anybody could take guitar lessons. Anybody could. And uh, you may have never picked up the guitar in your entire life and you sit down and you start taking a lesson and you realize, oh, you're just a natural. You just touch on super quick. Yeah. And then there's other people that could pay for years and years and years of guitar lessons and never figure out how to, you know, not look at a piece of sheet music or not, you know, right, be able right. to, like watch the chords as they strum it. So it very much is a talent. And just like any talent, it does need to be fine tuned. And um, you, you do need to just, you have to do something with it to even learn what the capabilities of that talent is. Mm -hmm. So the concept, because there's a lot of people like, can anybody do this? Um, technically anybody could try, but just like any talent, we all have different degrees. Yeah. You know, uh, I have a lot of talented friends that work, uh, you know, communicating with people as supported loved ones. We all have different abilities. My one friend's great at getting names and dates. Your people don't ever come up to me and be like, I'm Jimmy Joe and want to talk to Sarah. They're like, I'm a dad. I died of this. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm great with technical stuff. Don't ask me like names and dates. That's just not what they give me. So, yeah. Um, so, like, I've, I'm self taught guitar player, not the greatest, but like, I can uh, keep rhythm. You can teach me a chord progression and I'll keep rhythm playing guitar. But as much as I try to like be a soloist and or do classical guitar, not going to happen. So you're saying right. it's kind of like the way with you and uh, being a clairvoyant or empath, like you have certain things as far as like you are a little bit better at and some of your friends are a little bit better. Exactly. Some other things. Okay. And 
understanding that and not comparing yourself to someone else and just embracing what is naturally you is what's going to get you far in any, any talent, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of like letting other people dictate your self-worth because of what you're able to do. You just have to learn how to have self, you know, love and support and not doubt your experiences. Just be like, okay, well, I'm good at this. So this is what I'm going to concentrate on. And that's just kind of what happened with me. So when I was younger, I did have experiences. Um, My family's very religious. So (laughs) I can relate to the whole religious side of things. I grew up in a very complex religious um, uh, viewpoint though. So my dad, and this is a true story. (laughs) I'm not making this up. So my dad called himself a Christian. So my dad's side of the family called themselves a Christian. But as I grew up, I realized that their form of Christianity was not the same as what other people were calling, um, like, like the Christian mm-hmm. religion. And he practiced a lot of things that were more like seven-day Adventist stuff. So I don't know if you okay. know what that is, but it's like a very strict religion. Um, we celebrate like the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Trumpet, the Days of Unlovered Bread. It's things that most people have never heard of in their life, mm-hmm. but it's not... It's not practiced a lot. So he was involved in this church called the Worldwide Church of God. The day that he died at his funeral, someone came up to me. It was like, hey, my, we used to go to church with you guys. My daughter just went to um, some Christian college in Indiana, and they, they have a class on cults. And that church was literally listed. As a cult. <laughs> As a cause. Oh. I was like, oh my God, that makes so much more sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks, Dad. So, but so my dad was in this, whatever, you know, the quasi cult, Christian, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but that side of the family, there's like devout Catholic. The majority of the people are Catholic. We actually have nuns in our family and stuff. I'm talking about like hardcore Catholic. And then my mom's side of the family, like Orthodox Jew. So it's like everywhere that I went, I was like told that I was wrong. You need to practice religion, but not in that way. You're worshiping God wrong. You need to be worshiping this way. So religion kind of confused me growing up, needless to say, uh, because I had so many different viewpoints of it. So while this was going on, um, when I was five years old, we moved into a um, old farmhouse. It was the third one built in Swanton. And I remember the day that my dad came home and said, hey, we're moving in this farmhouse. I begged him. I mean, I begged him not to go. I did not want to go. I just felt it through and through. I did not want to go. He thought I was being this like ridiculous little kid of not, you know, old, yeah. he just doesn't want to pack up and go. I actually, when he was packing up, we would live in this duplex when he was like packing up the duplex. I hid in a box on the side of the house because I didn't want to go. He didn't leave me there until he came back. I didn't hide after that. I was like, oh, oh. shit. Here. <laughs> so, but I remember pulling up to the house and just how terrible I felt looking at it. I just felt like all eyes on me. I did not want to go in. Um, I just had like the biggest hesitation about going in. Now you have to understand, um, outside of um, one time I heard a ghost story and went looking for the ghost. Like I heard that there was this lady that lived in like the sewer and I was like, oh, we have to go help her. She must oh. be stuck. And I got my ass, you know, 
smacked for <laughs> wandering off as a little kid looking for a ghost in a sewer. Outside right. of that, there was never any discussions of like spirits or, you know what I mean, anything like that. So mm -hmm. um, I never even had a concept of, oh, there are spirits in this place or anything like that. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is I did not want to go in this house. Mm -hmm. So when I did enter the house, I remember I just literally felt like eyes were on me. I hated this place. I, wow. I cannot tell you how much I did not like this place. I fought with my dad most of my life growing up because I never wanted to be upstairs. I would hear stuff. I was always hearing stuff. I would hear kids laughing, doors being slammed, people like running upstairs when I'd be downstairs. And my dad would always tell me, oh, it's the squirrels. It's, <laughs> it's the, the squirrels. squirrels. Well, it's an old farmhouse. It makes noises. <laughs> it's, it was always something, right? Yeah. And it went from, it's the squirrels to you have to be doing something to provoke this. You're worshiping the devil. So it got turned around on, I'm causing all this, you know, stuff in the, the house. So you learn not to talk about it. You know, you just learn like, okay, um, apparently no, you, I figured out very quickly other people were, or at least if they were hearing or something, they were not telling me. They wouldn't tell, so, right. They're, they're experiencing things, but not talking about it. Because, yeah, I found that because out. of fear of persecution. Yes. So I didn't know that other people were experiencing stuff because they were just always telling me to be quiet, you know, like mm -hmm. go upstairs or you just don't want to go upstairs. You just want to sleep on the couch. Yeah, I want to sleep on the couch because I could see everything around me and nothing could get me if I slept on the couch when I was upstairs. I felt like things were like looking at me. I felt like there was things under my bed and in my closet. I always I felt eyes on me all the time. So at the time, I wasn't really seeing things. I was hearing stuff. I would be upstairs and I would hear the door slam and sound like heavy footsteps. And my dad called my name and me go downstairs and nobody there. Mm -hmm. So there was like things that were very, very, very fearful going on in that house. Um, it wasn't until I was about the age of 15. One day my dad was out of town and I was hearing all this ruckus in our basement. It literally sounded like somebody was just slamming stuff around, just breaking stuff left and right. And we had a dog outside that was chained up and it was barking at the back basement door. Hmm. And I'm sitting in the room and I'm going, oh my God, there's somebody in my house. And I wasn't 100% sure because I didn't tell people that I, what I heard. And my friend was in my room with me and she wasn't saying anything. So I'm like, okay, maybe there isn't somebody in my house. Maybe it's just in my head. Maybe I'm just hearing this stuff. And, you know, I didn't want to say anything to my friend because I don't want her to think I'm crazy. And then my right. friend goes, don't you hear that? And I'm like, oh my God, there is somebody in my house. <laughs> so I run next door to my neighbors and our, our house had three doors. Um, the basement door, the dog was barking at the front door. My friend went out and was looking at the front door. I went and got a neighbor so I could see the, the back door. We called the police. The police come up. As soon as the police hit my driveway, everything stopped. Everything. Dog laid down, no barking. All three of us are like super frantic. It is not just us kids now, it's an adult. We all heard this. We're like, there's somebody in the house, they're wrecking stuff. So, so the cop, the cop's like, okay. He like draws his gun and he is creeping up to the door. And he goes to open the door and like slam into the door and he bounces off the door because it's deadbolted. 
Now, what's interesting about this deadbolt is not a traditional, like you flip, you have to have a key. I okay. walked through that door earlier and I don't have a key. So therefore that door was not deadbolted. I never had a key to My dad did not give it to us. So the only person that could deadbolt that door would be my dad. And he was at work. So I'm like, what? I'm like, no, that door was not deadbolted. There, I was like, there is a door to get into the basement through the kitchen. So he went through the kitchen to try to get down in the basement and that door's locked. And I'm like, what is going on? What are all these locked doors? All right. What is happening? Like, like what? so we eventually got the door open. He did take the door off, like, because he was able to get it in the inside. Nothing was touched in the basement. Nothing. Like this guy thought we were crazy. But right. all of us had this experience. And it literally sounded like somebody was, I'm talking about just taking a baseball bat and just breaking everything in sight. I mean, there was, you could hear this literally next door at the neighbor's house. So it was at that point where I was like, okay, I'm not the crazy one. Other people are experiencing this. Um, I had a lot of fear in that house. I always felt like there was something very heavy and negative there. My dad was super abusive. And I always had this thought of wondering if whatever energy was there, if he was, if it was playing on my father, or if my father was making that energy worse, that was always this back and forth thought. So I went and I could saw through one of my friend's mother, uh, who I had heard did stuff like this, like, like practice like Wicca or something like that. I never got anything that but I told her everything that happened and she said whatever you do do not go back home I was like okay (laughs) I'll go with that she said the reason being is I don't want to have to tell you when to leave because I don't want it to know when I'm coming I was like okay whatever so your friend's mom is planning on going to your house to to take care of whatever the hell's there right okay Cause at this point, like nobody in my house is talking to me about this stuff. Things are escalating. We're having these experiences. I'm starting to feel like it's, I was feeling personally attacked because it was only happening when I was there. I also started to, during the same time, I started to have a series of horrific lucid nightmares that I could barely wake myself up out of. I mean, horrific. So I basically stopped listening to everybody and was like, I'm going to go talk to somebody that I think could handle whatever is going on there. She went there, did whatever, never had an issue after that. To this day, don't know what she did. Don't know if this is like more of a placebo effect that I just thought she cleared this energy out or whatever, but I never had any issues after that. The whole energy felt different. Now, if you so I started to have experiences back then and I had them pretty much my whole life. Not one time did I ever think, oh, this is me. I'm a medium. I get talk to spirits. No, I thought that I lived in haunted locations or I seemingly just knew shit about people. Right. Or I say, why are people always coming up to me in random places telling me their whole freaking life story? Like, I'm dude, I'm trying to grocery shop. Why are you talking to me right yeah. now? Let, I me, let me add something real quick. There's one thing I've picked up during this story, and that is the fact that you are not using words like afraid, scared, terrified. Like to me, like this, I if I were telling a story and these were the experience I was having, I would be using that kind of vocabulary. I was back then. I was now, but you have to understand when you know, I'm so far past that 
fear now that I can tell this story without uh, it having an effect like it used to. I used to not even be able to tell people about that. Mm-hmm. I, and especially about my dreams that I would have, I was having what I would consider like demonic attacks in my dreams. And that was probably one of my biggest fears because I would actually wake up. I would have to wake myself up by physically hitting myself. And I thought like, if this thing that this entity brought me in my dreams, it would kill me and I would not wake up. So, and I would wake up with bruised handprints on me that were not looking human at all. Like they would be like weird, like three finger two. There was some crazy shit going on. <laughs> so yes, there was a big part of my life that was very fear-based. And this okay. was another, I never talked to people about it because that it did scare me. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're told your whole life, you're doing this, there's something wrong with you. And then you are experiencing this stuff and nobody else is, you start to believe that you're the problem. Yeah. You start to believe that, okay, I, I'm either crazy or this is really going on. And I've done something to this realm that I don't understand. And I can't see that is ticked off and wants to personally hurt me. So this isn't something that you go around expressing, especially when you have a religious, you know, family, especially see now we have overexposure to information. I don't know that there's really been a shift in consciousness of, um, these, um, the ideology of like, uh, spirit acceptance, because I mean, tribal communities have been accepting spirits since the dawn of time. What we have is we have an oversharing of information and the ability to attract and uh, click up with people that are like-minded now. So it's much easier that if you're having experiences like this, or you are more in tune with something that not everybody is seeing, that you are going to be able to attract a community of support a lot easier than back then. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand when, you know, I'm 41, I had to think about my age, sad. Oh, so <laughs> I'm 41. These are things that were not acceptable. We did not talk about this, especially in religious households. Right. So I didn't have anybody that I could say, hey, um, I'm having these issues. So you forget about them, you push them aside, you make excuses. You are, I was constantly saying like, oh, this, this is, I was living in a haunted house or that was a weird day or that person was really weird or that conversation was really weird. Um, it wasn't until my little brother died when my little brother died. Now I don't, a lot of, there's a misconception that if you have these abilities, they lie dormant until trauma happens. And then all of a sudden, like some big event takes place in your life and then you are more in tune. So the trauma of losing my brother did not activate these abilities, not and me, that can happen in some people, but that's not always the situation, okay? Um, because I had very close deaths before that happened. What happened when my brother died- How old were you when, when he died? Uh, this was, I want to say about eight, well, I think it was like 32, so what? Like almost 10 years ago, I okay. think. Between 30 and 32. Okay. Quite remember. I'm just trying uh, to get a, an idea. So he was very young. Um, so he died one month after his um, his uh, 20th birthday. 
So, and he had always said his whole life he was never going to make it to age 21. So it, we're always like, don't say that. Why would you say that, Zach? Um, and then you didn't make it till he was 21. So um, anyways, when he passed, it wasn't a need for me to understand. It was a, a need for my mother to understand what had happened. And it was that moment where being empathic, feeling my mother's pain, feeling her sorrow and wanting to help that. I'm going to cry thinking about it. Um, but wanting to like take that away from her, I wanted to give her the answers that she so desperately needed. She had reached a point of being um, honestly suicidal. She wouldn't even get out of bed. It got so bad that I had actually like contemplated, like I literally looked into the courts to see if I could somehow take like adult ownership of her because I couldn't even force her into a hospital to get help. It got to the point where I was barely seeing her get out of bed to go to the bathroom. I mean, she just, she was laying in bed dying over this. And what was tearing her up is she didn't have the answers. She had believed wholeheartedly that my brother, my other brother was with my brother when he passed was lying about what happened. So at the time, it really doesn't matter if that is what had happened or not. It was, that's what she believed. She was like, he's lying. I don't have the answers. This could have been prevented. Uh, So that's the assumption that she was under. Very quickly when my brother passed, I started to experience it. And this was the first time that I was able to call bullshit on everybody calling me crazy because I knew it was my brother. Like, you're not going to tell me this is a demon. You're not going to tell me. I know my brother. I know his voice. I know his feeling. I know it's him. So it was that moment where I could basically say F you to everybody. I'm not the crazy one. So after I, I started, knew. I knew, I knew it was him. I could hear him. Like I would wake up to his voice. Like he'd be whispering. I would, he would put his hands on my shoulders and rub them just like he did in life. I would see his shadow. I would see, I would literally go, oh, he's standing right there. And I'd take a picture and there would always be something there. There'd be an orb, there'd be a mist, there'd be a bright light. It didn't matter. I could literally point out where he was at, take a picture and be there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to prove to my parents that my brother is around. And I could tell that my brother was really trying to communicate to them. I knew he was trying to tell my mom, you know, whatever had happened. So I was like, I, I have to do this for my mom. I have to do this to save her life, basically. So I went and I got under the um, request of my nephew. So myself and my nine-year-old nephew was experiencing my brother. So I found myself confiding in a nine-year-old. With a nine-year-old. <laughs> yes, because he was like having like normal conversations with him. So, so my nephew was, they, my family calls me C or CC. So my, uh, my nephew was like, hey, see, can we go get one of those digital recorders, like on the ghost shows and talk to Uncle Zach? And I was like, yeah, bet. Why not? You know, <laughs> at this point, I will try anything to convince mom and dad that Zach is around. So we went, we bought a recorder, we sat in his room, and my nephew asked one question and one question only. He said, Uncle Zach, are you okay? And plain as day, it just as if my brother was sitting in that room with us, not in a whisper or anything, and just a solid, his own voice. He said, yeah, I'm okay. 
<laughs> when we played that back, I was like, oh my God, this is the evidence that I need to prove to my parents that my brother is here. My brother is trying to talk to us. And um, so I'm thinking all, <laughs> I'm thinking all these photographs and all the like scientific evidence that's gonna prove I'm not crazy. And then when I would try to show people, they just thought I was even more crazy. <laughs> right. So I like try to show my parents and they're like, okay, I'm like, but it, I mean, this wasn't, this was no mistake and it was his voice. Mm -hmm. Like it would send shivers down your spine. It sounded, how do you explain that? How do you explain that? You can't explain that. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't like somebody with some voice altering whatever in the closet speaking like my brother. You know, like it's literally, it was his voice. Now what's interesting about that, that tape, because I would play it over and over. I had never really placed it, played it past that point. And one day I decided to just let it play. Mm -hmm. And what was very interesting about that, there was a lot of other voices on that, that footage. There was people literally saying their names to me, saying, talk help me. I was like, what? Okay, wait a minute. What is going on here? So, and very quickly after that, I started to have um, a lot stronger experiences. And I think it is because I finally was willing to listen mm -hmm. to what was going on. I stopped pushing it away. But I did that, I mean, literally to try to help my mom because I wanted her to get the answers that she needed. So I started taking her to like the psychic fairs because I thought that's like what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so if you want to talk to that person, you have to go to a psychic fair. And um, uh, needless to say, those did not work out very well. And my mom never got the communication with my brother through there. But one really weird thing happened to me at every single one of those places. I would come out of those places feeling the best way I could describe it is supercharged. I would feel my entire body vibrate. It was weird. And I would just get an influx of information for like a solid month. It was, it was really, really bizarre. I didn't even understand what was going on. And I'd find myself walking up to people and stuff would just come out of my mouth. And those people would be telling me what I was talking about. They're like, oh, you're telling me that because that's how my mom died. And I'm like, what? It got really weird. It got really, really weird. So that just kind of snowballed. And then there was, um, at one point, I was at my mom's house and all of a sudden I was sitting at the table and it just felt like my brother jumped inside. This is the first time I ever felt like a spirit like jump inside of me. And I felt him jump inside of me and my head slammed down on the table. And I started calling my mom. I'm like, sex here, sex here. And she comes and she sits down next to me. And I'm not even looking at her. I'm looking the other way. And all of us, it's just like diarrhea in my mouth. All this shit is just pouring out. Just it was, it was insane. Like I thought I knew what my mom's questions were. I thought I knew what she needed to talk to my brother about. I definitely did not know. Because all that stuff was, that was going on, like that was coming out of my mouth. I had like a part of me, like this logical, the ego side of me or whatever. I did have a conscious part of me literally like talking, going, what is going on? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> it was like the inside of me was freaking out. And then my grandfather who passed, who we call Paul, I could hear him and feel him above me talking to my little brother going, get off your sister, get off your sister. 
Wow. It was freaking bizarre. So that happened and I had this raging headache for like 12 hours afterwards. It was excruciating. And my mother completely changed after that. Her entire life changed. She got up. Okay, I'm going to think, oh, I'm going to cry big about She got up for the first time on her own the next day. She started looking work for work. She, I mean, everything changed like that. She just needed those answers. She just needed to hear what had happened. That was it. So that kind of set, my little brother is what set me on the course for acceptance of what was going on. And then he also has helped kind of shape um, what, how I'm willing to work with people and then places that I go, because he will give me information. He'll tell me different places to go or he'll kind of like draw me to, it's weird. So, but he's really the one that helped me gain acceptance of what was going on. And I tell you what, my entire life feels normal now. Like when I think of like other people, <laughs> When I think of like, cause people are like, oh, how do you sleep? I sleep damn well, are you kidding me? I used to not sleep good. I used to have all these influxes of energy. I felt like I was a hypochondriac. I was taking on other people's emotions and physical symptoms. And I had all these voices in my head and ongoing conversations and things that I thought everybody was experiencing. And I didn't know that people weren't experiencing until I was able to put it into perspective, realize it was spirits talking to me, give them an outlet, now my head's empty half the time. Wow. So, so your head's empty most of the, all the time, most of the time. I mean, it's just <laughs> basically, it's just what you're saying is there was like a level of uh, acceptance and learning what to do with the energy. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I just embraced, okay, this is what was going on and gave them an outlet to talk, I wasn't so bombarded all of the time because no matter what if this is going on with you you don't get to just say no I'm not going to deal with it because you will still have some sort of physical effect from it because all that energy is going to stand around you and since it's different frequencies you will start having physical experiences from it your heart will start racing you'll start hearing like voices in your head it's like commentary it sounds like you're listening to like a whole bunch of different sitcoms and as soon as it comes into focus it's like someone changed the tv channel and you can start hearing that you'll get like shadows kind of walking in front of you you'll get activity in your house it's you're super restless it's hard for you to sleep so you can have like real physical effects from it but if you don't know what's going on you're just gonna think that you're you're crazy or you need some sort of psych meds. But guess what? Those meds don't help if it's spirits talking to you. Yeah. Instead, you end up on a roller coaster of trying to listen to other people's um, labels and what you're supposed to do instead of just accepting what's going on. Once you accept what's going on, you don't have to do what I do. You just have to understand what's going on. Just understand that and then give them some sort of outlet to talk because it creates this revolving door of energy it weeds them out of your house so i hate to say this but there's a big part of me that does this for selfish reasons so i can sleep at night so they're not just hanging out in my house all night <laughs> i mean yeah. truthfully. did you have a teacher like so we're getting to this point where we you're starting to understand i'm going to go back to the talent where your talents are starting to show themselves a little bit more to you you're starting to understand things 
how do you get to where we are now where i mean you seem very confident and uh you have this total acceptance and like you said you're able to i don't want to say like you can turn it turn it on or off but you're it's just part of your lifestyle so yeah did you have I mean, like a I'm, teacher like can you go to school like no um uh, i wish <laughs> <laughs> When, when I would have these like really horrific experiences that I didn't know what to do, I would try to talk to other people. And I hate to say it, but the people that I were dealing with, like the generation above me, they really viewed me like a threat mm -hmm. or like a competition. So nobody was willing to talk to me. Apparently there's some, this, there's this weird handbook out there that I did not get a copy of there's like certain steps that you're supposed to you know take and unless you have seniority and have been around for a long time you're not allowed to ask questions you're not allowed to be involved in the click i didn't know this because i never received that copy yeah so I had a, it's so called I, the life manual right <laughs> adulting manual that's like the this is how you live life and this is the pecking order and these are the clubs you're allowed to join right so i just uh, i figured it out myself mm. i i started to look at the community at large that did this. And instead of looking at it as I have to do what they're doing, which I thought at first, like, oh, the only way anybody's gonna accept me is if I'm part of this like psychic community or something. And I do these like psychic events and stuff. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like what they were offering. I didn't. I didn't like the way that they ran stuff. Uh, it didn't sit well with me. Uh, so I did things my own way. I okay. designed my career to allow me to sleep better at night and not so worried about the rules and regulations that this generation of people that I have no connection to decided to put in place for me. So, yeah. which ticked off a lot of people. <laughs> uh, so the difference between like medium and psychic. So the biggest difference between a medium and a psychic is the type of information and frequencies, not just the type of information that we get, but where we're receiving that, that information and the frequencies that are involved in that. So if you think about a psychic as like ground level, like grass, okay? okay. And you think like medium or spirits, like cloud level, in order to be able to focus on spirits or cloud level, you have to be able to focus and be in tune with all the frequencies leading up to that point, right? So a psychic only focuses on physical or ground level energy, all right? So they're going to be more in tune if they're good at what they're doing. They're going to be more in tune with your physical stuff, not talking to your departed loved ones. So, and there's a big difference between somebody that has abilities or somebody that's just labeled themselves as a tarot card reader. There are some tarot card readers that do have abilities and they'll use that, those cards as a trigger into your energy and to give them something to focus on and use something to focus on. But there's a lot of tarot card readers out there that just pick up a deck and just read out of a book and it's super generalized. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I could go buy a, a deck of yeah. tarot cards and attempt yeah. to give a reading and have no idea what's going on. And if you throw enough darts, some of them will stick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but there's definitely, there's, there's a big difference. So when I receive information, even about your physical life from a departed loved one, they know you sometimes even better than you know yourself. Mm -hmm. So that stuff is very accurate and very 
define your individual needs. It's not general. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's there's a huge, huge difference. And it is talking, you know, when you're talking to a departed loved one, that is way different than talking to your, even your spirit that is grounded in your body, because that's going to be, your spirit grounded in your body is going to be focused more on physical things, not so much, um, it's not going to be so all-encompassing. So a spirit has the capabilities to see past all of the physical constraints this world has to offer. They don't all choose to, but some of them have that capability. So if you're receiving information from a spirit, you are getting it from a completely different perspective than if you are getting it from ground level with somebody locking eyes with you mm -hmm. in the physical. You understand that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So, what I'm hearing when you were telling me about the story with your mother and also with the communication with your brother, um, number one, it sounds like you still continue to have to have like a, a ongoing relationship with your brother at this point in time. Like you guys communicate with each other. Yes. So I call him like my no nonsense guide. Okay. Uh, if I really need the uh, straightforward information, no matter how hard it's going to be, even if I don't want to hear it, he's my go-to person. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to be able to accept his voice without like doubting it because when you hear somebody that you know or that you love you're so used to that voice it's so comfortable that it just kind of comes across as your own voice and you don't even know if you're really carrying out a conversation with them and this is what the majority of people will do when they're trying to talk to their loved ones and their loved one responds in their head they just write it off as having a conversation with themselves because they're used to that voice so when i hear a voice of somebody else's spirit that doesn't sound like my people. So it kind of shocks my senses. I know to pay attention, right? But I can't expect one of your people to know every aspect of my life or to give me solid advice, but I'm going to trust my brother because he knows me. Mm -hmm. And we've had a certain relationship since the dawn of time, since he was here. So I know that there's certain things that I can trust Right. Would you say that this relationship has uh, healed him in any form of fashion or like does he are you able to offer a sense of healing to the spirits that you are able to communicate with? So. Uh, yes and no. OK, um, because any sense of healing actually within and the willingness and desire to want to change and that acceptance of what that change means. In human nature in general, we have a hard time changing. It's not really built into us. Yeah. So I think it's like this great concept. Uh, if you if you take out the religious point of view, like if you mess up in this life, then you have to pay for it in death. Okay. Let's take that out and let's look at the other flip side of it. There are people like, once you die, it's like rainbows and unicorns and everything's fantastic. And there is no bad, there is no wrong. We're humans, okay? Mm -hmm. The human essence overall is not the easiest to change. So there are some people that were like complete a-holes in life that are still a-holes of that because they didn't okay. choose to change. So, but there are spirits that are 
very much struggling and, and dealing with emotional things that once they sit down in a session and have kind of like that counseling session with their family and can get those direct answers for themselves and really understand those viewpoints, it can help them. But that really has nothing to do with me, except I just kind of facilitate that meeting. That's still going to be up to them if they want to let those things go or if they want to um, accept the things that their family's telling them or decide what to ever do with that information. So there is a there there is a little bit of a form of healing that can take place as long as you're open to it. Yes, but that's literally with anybody. Well, just like we have the yeah. capabilities of change here, they do have the capabilities of change if they want. Doesn't mean that they're going to. It's really on them. I could sit here and offer you the best advice in the world, but if you don't decide to take it, like it's not going to do anything. And even if you did, did I really do anything? I didn't really do anything. You're still the one making the the choice. You're the one putting in the work. You're the one working. Anything that could be possible. So it's just like hearing something on the radio. You either respond to it or you don't. Hmm. I like I like that what you're saying with the radio though, because it's like. Maybe I think up to this point, I've been the person who just leaves the radio off. Like, you know, there's right. a big sign that says, like, don't turn that radio on. Don't turn that radio on, you know. But so, those channels are still going on in the background. Doesn't matter if you choose to listen to them or not. I mean, like, for some reason, people want to draw this, like, I don't know. I feel like they put this in this, this box that is so unattainable. All it is is a different perspective. When people come to me, all they're asking is, Serena, what is your experience in this world? What is your perspective? That's it. All I'm doing is telling them my perspective. That's that's all. So just like there's plenty of animals that have a completely different perspective, and we're okay with that. We know an ant can walk around a tree, and they're going to be able to see the world differently than us. It's not any different. It's just whatever perspective that individual is getting. It's the same with if, you know, somebody's like colorblind. If somebody's colorblind, are, there, are they more wrong than somebody else? The only thing they know is the grass is blue. Like right. people get no, colorblind. it is green. I am telling you. <laughs> and to them, you know, they're like, no, it's, it's blue. And that's okay. What right. makes the world so beautiful is all these different perspectives. This is what allows us to even live. Without those different perspectives, we would have no life. We have no experiences. If we we're all doing the same thing, then this there would be no existence. I have written down, uh, you probably saw me writing. Um, I wrote down a while back, you said, all it takes is a willingness to listen to what's going on. Yeah. And I, I, that just really uh, hit me deep down and I just loved it, so. I feel like we all need to open up a little bit more. And I and we mentioned like um, social media and like internet and ways to connect with people. Even though it's easier to connect with people, I feel like we listen less. It is true uh, because we could also like, I mean, everything's a double-bladed sword. So like now we have access to all this information, right? And we have the of being able to share our points of view, but we also have the capabilities of like shutting someone out like that, yep. not listening to reason, and then putting out these vicious opinions without having to like take responsibility for that. So I 
I just personally, and I wish everybody would do this, but I just personally literally live my life of realizing that I have to take accountability and responsibility every time that I go to sleep. Every time that I lay my head on that, that pillow, I have to be okay with my decision. Nobody else. Mm-hmm. Nobody else, like, nobody else can judge you. People don't understand that. Like there's no law, there is no like judgment. You know what judgment is? Guilt. <laughs> that, that's what judgment is. Yeah. Because if you shot and killed somebody and you thought it was justified, I don't care if the entire world said you were wrong. You're not going to sit a day in prison and feel bad about it. Guilt is what judges you. So I don't hand my guilt over to other people. Mm-hmm. So now I'm okay with embracing my reality because other people do not have to accept it. And it doesn't affect me one bit if they do or do not accept it. Like I said, I'll be the first to admit I don't know if I'm the crazy one or everybody drinking the Kool-Aid is. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I don't, half the time I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm not even going to pretend like I do. I live in a very weird reality. Like, I find myself talking to people. I just snap myself out of it sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You know, other people aren't seeing this person. But. Life. Yeah, you're living. I, it's life. I'm okay with it. I can today. You know, when they put that posting up on Facebook to ask what you do for it, I could today go, I talk to dead people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm okay with that. And they're like, so I, and I did, I was just like, oh, I talked to dead people. And this, this person was like, oh, that's scary. And I was like, not really. They're just people. <laughs> scary about that. You know, they're just, they're just people. Yeah. Honestly, the way that you've explained it to me, um, it doesn't, that's why I brought up like those words, uh, the vocabulary of like scared, frightened, terrified, like none of this seems scary to me. (laughs) It was startling. So I learned and now I work with people. So people that have similar experiences to me when they don't have anybody to talk to, they can come to me and they can talk to me and I will help validate their experiences and their existence because for some reason that's what a lot of people need they need Mm -hmm. to feel like even though they're the only ones experiencing their reality they still need somebody else to tell them it's true (laughs) which is bizarre because nobody else sees it right but but you you had that experience so where everybody was telling you your your reality is not correct (laughs) right so now i will take the time and you know, anytime somebody has a question about their experiences, or I've definitely helped like mentor people, I, um, I will work with people if they're having issues, because I don't want to see people have this emotional, like roller coaster chaos, mm-hmm. because they don't understand what's going on. There's very simple techniques people can put in place that are dealing with this that can help them. Um, live in their reality in a much more calm way than just letting this free flow energy all around and take control of their life. So I do take the time now to, to actually uh, talk to people because uh, I was, you know, scared when, when I was younger, but what I've learned is there's a big difference between something being like dangerous or feeling startled or having anxiety or, uh, having like fear and learning how to identify all those different like fluctuations of um, forms of anxiety really helps you understand your experiences. Because what was actually going on when I was like younger is I would get startled because something was all of a sudden happening 
And then I couldn't process it. I didn't know what was going on. And then that is what scared me. So that anxiety ridden response to being startled is what was actually scaring me. It wasn't the fact that somebody was like walking around. It wasn't the fact that somebody was, it was the way I was responding because none of those things that I would hear, they never like physically hurt me. The things that was attacking me in my dreams, that was not the spirits in my house. That was who freaking knows what that was. Mm -hmm. But, um, I came to learn later on after having experiences when I was older, the people in my house was like the original farmer that lived there, his wife and his kid. These are people. Like, what's so scary about that? Is a farmer scary? You know, so it's learning how to identify all those different fluctuations and um, understanding if it's uh, if it's a thought, if it's a response, if this thing is actually dangerous. And once you learn how to like recognize that, you you gain control over those responses a lot more. And then also you learn how to become an investigator, which is super essential. Instead of running and hiding and slamming the door and not wanting to deal with it, you start to go, why am I experiencing this? How do I feel about this? You slow it down to where you can understand what is going on or have the capabilities of digesting this information mm-hmm. around you. Wow intense (laughs) for me it's intense uh but that's good anytime i ask a question you are like dropping some serious knowledge (laughs) where i'm like i don't i don't think wait i have a question can i ask you a question yeah go ahead okay so when you went into this what was your expectation you had to have had some sort of expectation right right i don't know i i tried not to honestly i just it's all about having that open mind and because that's the stage in life where I'm at right now. And that's why I've created this podcast is because it's a chance for me to say, you know what, in this thought or um, journey or this part of the trail, I've limited it. I've just put a, a self limit, like boom, that's it. So what I try to do is remove those and say, just lean in a little bit. And the expectations really aren't, very strong in my opinion. So um, going into this, number one, I looked at your schedule and you are like the busiest person ever. So number one, I didn't think I was actually going to have an opportunity with you. Um, So first and foremost, I'm very grateful uh, that you gave me this opportunity. And the other thing is, and I also mentioned about like, you know, as a firefighter, like uh, movies like Backdraft and Chicago Fire and all that kind of stuff. Like you cannot see Like when you go into a burning building that's like, it's full of smoke, you can't see, like, it's just not the way it is. And So how do you, let's put this in perspective to your job. How do you maneuver situations like that? When you can't see among all the smoke, how do you, how do you know where to go? How do you know, like what to do? Right. Yeah. So the biggest thing that you could do is look at the outside of the house. And every house that we like, we go on a lot of EMS runs and whatnot. Um, So one of the biggest things is every house that I go into, I try to make some sort of mental, um, you know, picture of what that house looked like or like where doorways were, where's the stairway, that kind of thing. So before I would go into a house that's on fire, I would get, get an idea of like, okay, like, 
you know, there's certain windows, like usually if like there's a staircase or bathrooms have smaller windows in my head, I can picture like, okay, the staircase, once I go in, the staircase should be here. And then, you know, once I go upstairs, if I can find the bathroom, I know it's on this side of the house. And, you know, you just kind of have this blind sense of awareness of where everything is because I practice doing that. So that is very much like me. So I have this blind sense of awareness with every single person that I sit down because I practice this. Mm -hmm. So just like you are able to like build this image of the house that you have to operate in blindly, mm -hmm. I do that with people. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. In front of me, I'm not judging them. I am when I when I come in contact with a, a spirit, okay, it kind of gives me this map that I don't know this person, okay? I have to, by whatever this map is, I have to come to the most logical explanation of what these images mean or why this person would be showing me this. And how do you know how to maneuver your map? You do that off of your sixth sense, your feeling. Mm -hmm. You know innately when you're blinded, okay, I feel like I have to go here. I feel like I, you're not thinking about that. Your autopilot kicks in because those muscles have been worked so much that it built these neural pathways, these synopsis that puts you into autopilot when you're in that situation. And that's the thing that's happened with me when I come in contact with energy that I cannot physically see. What's the best way to get a hold of you? If somebody is having these types of things and they would, they're looking for a mentor or uh, maybe just have some curiosities like me, what's the best way to reach out to you? I prefer to have people actually contact me on Facebook okay. and then message me whatever their situation is. So if they would like to be put in contact with a specific departed loved one, which is one of my specialties, mm -hmm. um, then uh, they can set up a private session. I also do classes and workshops through Owens Community College. I do public events, so if they ever want to just kind of see what these abilities are about, instead of just booking something private, they can always come to public events and get a feel for what this is about. If they are having experiences, they can reach out with those questions. If they're looking for mentorship, I'm very particular about who I give my energy to and who I tie my name to, so they can reach out and we can see if it would be a good fit not something they could just book on their own. And then I have other types of sessions people can book, like general readings about their physical life, spirit guide sessions, past life sessions, pet sessions, if they're having issues with their living pets or departed pets. And uh, any of that stuff, they can contact me on Facebook for. With my schedule, it's never anything that anybody's gonna get in very quick. Um, I think the soonest availability I have is if somebody has like just one question. I do quick little one question things. And then home parties or groups, I don't think is quite six months out. I think it might only be like January. So okay. it's a little secret. But that's at Medium Serena LaPointe. Medium Serena LaPointe on Facebook. Okay.
I will uh, put a link in the show notes. Uh, so if anybody has any difficulty trying to get to it, uh, it'll be the easiest thing for them. So Serena, thank you very much. And I appreciate all the time that you've given me today. Yeah, I appreciate it too. In closing, Serena shared many life lessons in this episode. If you're anything like me, you're going to find yourself going back to listen again. Maybe this time grab a pen and paper. The moment that inspired me the most was her willingness to listen to what's going on. Not only is she willing to listen, she's accepting what's going on. This practice works in all walks of life, whether it be spirits, your parents, children, or that super annoying person in front of you waiting to pay for their groceries. We must learn to listen to each other. If you're not ready to accept what's going on, start with a little tolerance. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and download all the episodes for easy listening at your convenience. Streaming is also available at thisisyournormal.com. That website is brought to you by GreentreeMediaLLC.com. Visit them for all your website development needs. Also, never hesitate to reach out on social media. Episodes are available for streaming on Facebook and Twitter at This Is Your Norm. Or email me. This is your normal at gmail.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening to This Is Your Normal.